Thank you for choosing the podcast of East Haven Baptist Church in Brookhaven, Mississippi. For more information on the ministries of East Haven and to access videos and sermon notes from our services, visit www.easthaven.net. Zig Ziglar once said, If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. It's true. If you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. You just kind of wake up, just kind of go through your life, eat a meal, speak to your wife every now and then, pat your kids on the head, just kind of, you know, randomly do whatever. You hit it every time. So today, I want us to be reminded as individuals, as Christians, we don't need to just kind of randomly walk through life. We need to be intentional. We need to have direction. And certainly as a church, as we're walking through this series, I I want us to be reminded that we have a direction. We have a, a purpose. We're people with a purpose. A, a book that I just read recently, and some of you may have read this book. It's been out a while. It's on leadership. Rhinoceros Success. Anybody here ever heard of rhinoceros success? I just kind of like to say that word, rhinoceros. But it's a book on leadership. It's not necessarily a faith-based book, but Dave Ramsey wrote the foreword, and you know that he will interject some faith-based principles, and he does in this book. I'm going to read a portion of that a little bit later, but I I like this book. The The secret to... Chain to charging full speed ahead toward every opportunity. So it says rhinoceroses are intense, passionate, and focused. Rhinos see where they want to go and they start charging. Sometimes they can knock stuff down. So we have to be careful. Don't want to be a bull in a china shop as a Christian. But we need to have direction and realize our time is short in light of eternity. And we all have a thumbprint. We all have a shape, a purpose, and direction. So by God's grace, we want to make the use of every day. He says that rhinos tend to get things done. I believe that you have to have a rhino mentality to wheel in the marketplace. You have to be wired up, fired up to get something significant done in our culture today. And I would add this, and in our churches today. But some people don't win because they're mediocre. They, they make mediocre efforts and get mediocre results, and most of them are happy with that. The book calls them cows. Cows are average, leading average lives. Now, let me say this. I don't have anything against cows. I like cows because I like to eat cows. Book calls them cows. Cows are average, leading average lives, milling around in the field, munching, cud, and keeping their heads down. You know, just being a cow. The author of this book, Scott Alexander, is a friend of mine, Dave Ramsey says. I promise he knows it's silly. That's okay. It isn't an MBA textbook. It's a fun book aimed at lighting a fire under you. It's designed to give you a framework for understanding the rhinos and avoiding the cows all around you. And so after I finished this book, and Kelly, my wife, who loves to do interior design and help me decorate, because if I was in charge of decorating, my office and our house would be a disaster. 
but she ha- she's been helping me with my office, and I've got a number of wooden figures from mission trips to South Africa of, uh, the, you know, the big five, if you've been there, the different animals. And so she had put my rhino up on top of with all the other animals and displayed from that mission trip. And when she was out of the room, I pulled it down and I put it on my desk. And she asked me, she says, why did you put the rhino on your desk? I'm sure husbands, your wife never asked you any questions about foolish things that you may do. But uh, I told her, I said, because Kelly, remember the book? I finished the book. And I, I want to I wanna keep I want to, I want to, I want to keep this on my desk. She's down here trying to help me say it. She, I, I want to keep this on my desk because I, I want to be reminded. I want to be a rhino. I don't want to be a bull in a china shop, but I want to be a cow. I like cows, but I don't want to be a cow. I want to have, I want to have a, a within reason, biblically, a rhino mentality. So if you come in my office one day, you see that rhino, then you'll know why it's there. And you'll say to me, Pastor, not seeing my business, but are you being, you have a rhino mentalities? And hopefully I'll say, yes, I do. I'm trying. Pray for me. Pray for me. I want to make sense of every day and not just float and coast through life. Why do I put that on my desk? One is, I don't want to be a cow. In other words, I don't want to coast through life. I want to sprint to the finish line. Some of us might be at the end of the third quarter, in the fourth quarter. I want to sprint to the finish line. I don't want to be a cow. I don't want to be about coasting. I heard one time when I was a younger pastor, oh, when you get older, yeah, it won't be that big a deal to you. Well, I don't want to be that guy. When the things of God are a part of our lives as a Christian or as a God-called pastor or as a church, we need to take God seriously, not ourselves too seriously, and we need to understand we are here with a purpose. And there's a reason we exist in this beautiful place. And I don't want to drift into cowness. Now, I made that word up, cowness. I, I want to... I Sprint. I believe that our church is poised to do great things because it's full of some great people. It doesn't take being here a few weeks very long to see that. A church is the ecclesia. The people of God, the called out one. We're grateful for our property. We're grateful for our buildings. We're grateful for the way God has blessed us. But this isn't the church. The church is in Guatemala. The church is sitting out here. The church is on spring break vacation in Florida with their their friends maybe and their, their family. The church is, maybe they drifted up north for some reason. The church of Jesus Christ is everywhere. And East Haven is represented all over the world right now. That's who the church is. And we want to be a strong church. We want to be everything that God has for us as his people. We have a purpose for existing. Maybe several years ago you read the book Purpose Driven Church. The author discusses five purposes of the church. They're actually listed in a word on a lot of information you get. 
back there in the fellowship hall, a beautiful sign. We have beautiful signage here. One of those uh, paintings back there, you see it. Worship, connect, give, share, go. The methods change from time to time. The message of Jesus Christ doesn't. God's word is God's word. It's infallible. It's inerrant. That's where we, that's our uh, source of authority. We understand what it means. And, and so this author lists the purposes of the church. Here's a quote from that book from years ago. He was talking about how he'll meet some people occasionally. They'll say, oh, I, I'm a Christian, but I just don't go to church. And this is what he said about that. He said, it's like this. I like you, but I can't stand your wife is the equivalent to saying I like Jesus, but not the church. Kind of like saying I like the Mississippi Braves, but I ain't wearing no hat. Doesn't make sense, does it? Now, let me say this. Sometimes people could tend to be justified for not coming to church because of the way we behave sometimes or because of the way we treat them when they do come. Or perhaps when little Johnny was in the eighth grade, he came to Sunday school for the first time, and he couldn't read very well. And the Sunday school teacher asked Johnny to read Genesis chapter 5, verses 1 through 2, and little Johnny hadn't come back because he was embarrassed. But what we need to be careful of is thinking the church should be perfect because we're not. You certainly don't have a perfect pastor. I've seen you long enough to know ain't nobody perfect in Brookhaven. Or at East Haven, okay? We are flawed. Sinners saved by the grace of God. But we want to make sure that we do everything we can to be encouraging, to use our shape. And so it draws people to him because of our love for him. That's the kind of church that we want to be so people will come or people will give it the church in general a second chance some people uh just can't get over oh i'm a christian but i just don't go to church well let me just share with you i I believe in the church and it's god's idea it's not your idea or my idea it's it's god's idea we see the church birth in acts We see the epistles in the New Testament. We'll be reading out of two of those in a minute that that are letters to the churches. On Wednesday nights, we're looking at the seven churches. It is God's idea. It's not ours. And the fact that God's church still exists today is a miracle in itself. There's a reason, because Jesus is behind it. And so today, we're looking at the churches. I want to invite you to turn to Acts 2.42 and Ephesians 4.14. I'll be reading out of the NIV just in a minute. So while you're turning there, Acts 2.42 and Ephesians 4.14, there's many places we could go for today's uh, message and getting us started, but I want you to turn there. While you're turning there, there's another book that uh, I read I don't know, probably six to nine months ago, Tom Rainer has written a lot of books. He used to be president of Lifeway. His most recent book is I Am a Christian. And he lists two bad perceptions of the local church. I think you'll find this interesting. 
two bad perceptions of the local church, meaning what's out there. Number one is this. The church is a type of civic club. You pay your dues to help the church do its good deeds and underwrite the activities. Yikes. That's sad. That's not what the church is. Second, second bad perception is this. The church is a country club. Rainer says, perhaps the worst aspect of the country club church is that members tend to see the pastors and staff as hired hands whose job is to meet their needs. After all, they're paying the bills. Oh, Lord have mercy. I sure hope. We don't have any like that. I have to tell you, as being a pastor through the years, every once in a while, not a lot, every once in a while I've met that church member, and I think, bless their heart. I ain't scared. No, 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 no. You pastors, they better be called by God. If they're not called by God, they're stupid for being a preacher or being a pastor. There's some other things to do. You're called by God. You're accountable by God. You call to different churches, and he marries you together for a season or for a time. Oh, there's, there's accountability. There's checks and balances. But God is the one that calls. And that's ultimately who we all answer to. That's why we fear him and not man. It'll free us up to what? Be obedient no matter what the cost is. And that's the kind of church we want to be. We want to do What's right? Because God had called us to do what is right because it's for his glory. We only have a short amount of time, and we want to make the most of our time. So let me say this about country club. I often say church is not a country club for saints. It's a hospital for sinners. We need each other. And so I've sensed that's our mentality, and I pray it always will be. So here's what it says in Acts chapter 2. They, early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Flip over to Ephesians, or just listen, chapter 4, beginning with verse 11. Let me just read this through uh, 14 and some other verses. So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Those are some of the passages that remind us, oh, that's why we're here. Today is just to remind us, and me as your new pastor, that's why we're here. And I'm taking these words, purposes of the church, 
And as your new pastor, I'm going to give you a sentence and break it down. And you may say, well, we got people not here. Then you share with them the basics of this. This may be something in new members class that we kind of expose them to. But this is my understanding and how we're going to do this at this point. These are five things that we'll have a direction of and say, oh, we're not just out here floating. No, this is our aim. This is how we take someone and help them mature and decide and be everything they're supposed to be for God. Now, we're not perfect. Again, there is no perfect pastor or church, but this is our aim. This is our direction because some may be visiting and say, okay, where are we headed? Well, I'm about to tell you. Okay, there are other things that we'll do in regard to specific ministries and facilities and things like that. Those days will come and that time will come and we'll try to make sure we involve people and you have ownership. But where are we headed? Here's here's where we are. Here's where we are. This is the way I believe that we should go around the base. Take the baseball analogy. You got you go to first, you go to second, all the way to home. Well, as a believer, it's for the church. It's for the ecclesia. It's the called out ones. This is the church. This is for believers. This is what we're doing. We're touching these bases, and one day we'll be home. Heaven, if we're a child of God, members of the church, members of the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones, are supposed to be believers. So here's the first one. Spin time alone with God. You say, well, I, I know that. You probably do if you've been a part of the church, and you've probably heard it. And you've already heard it from me from several weeks, and you'll probably hear it from me for, what was it, last year? Last week I said we'll be together 30 or 40 years. I'm, I'm sorry. I should have said 50, maybe 50, 60 years. So here's what you need to know. Spend time alone with God. It is incredible to have that time alone with God. Pretty basic. And yet, sometimes when you get back to the basics, might have been something we did growing up and somehow time has gotten away from us. We've gotten a busy schedule. We we, we got out of the habit. Well, make it a habit, please. A-S-A-P. If you're not doing it, some of you are. That's fantastic. We need to do that as much as as possible. And if you miss a day, don't beat yourself up. Say, see, I tried it. I can't do it. No. If you miss one day brushing your teeth, you're not going to ever not brush your teeth again. We're talking about God. We're talking about spiritual things. We're talking about a spiritual discipline that he's taught us. You say, well, I, I wonder if Jesus did it. Oh, I'm so glad you asked. This is what Mark says. Chapter 1, verse 35, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. If Jesus spent time with God, I certainly do. And I'm pretty sure he's taking Brook Cavan. You do too. Here's a quote from me. I wrote this down. I don't meet with God to get a sermon. I meet with God in order to worship him. I don't meet with God. To, I meet with God to cry out to him. I meet with God to, by God's grace, be like him. I meet with God to thank him. I meet with God because no one else is like him. I meet with God so I don't do stinking thinking. I meet with God because my family, friends, and church will know eventually if I don't. 
I meet with God to know that my purpose in life is until the day I die. I meet with God because I don't know all there is to know about all there is to know. I meet with God because if the Son of God did, I certainly should. What about you? We need to make sure this is a part of our life. You see, if you just come on Sunday, listen to your Sunday school teacher, listen to the preacher, sing the songs, and you don't meet with God during the week, you are missing out. This is wonderful. I'm for it. I'm for corporate worship. That's something that we're coming to it. That's a priority. That's something we should do. But I'm telling you, sometimes we miss out on the benefit of individual worship. It's what we should be about and a part of our daily routine and our, our life. And you say, well, what are some good devotional books? Well, I checked again. There's open windows, at least several of the exits and entrances that come in. They are complimentary. You can grab one of those. It gives you a scripture, a little devotional thought, and a suggested prayer. And it's absolutely free. Hallelujah. Or you can buy my utmost for his highs. You're a little more mystical and you like, you like to read something. And then afterwards you say, I don't have any idea what he said, but I love it. Then get my utmost for his highest and just, just read it over and over. No, that's a classic devotional book. It's good. And some people especially connect. You say, well, well what's, what's another one? Well, I mentioned one, I think last week, old Timmy Tebow, Mission Possible. That's a great devotional book. Find the Bible you can understand and the devotional you connect with and get along with God. Listen to Southern Baptist. We are good about talking about the priesthood of the believer as one of our tenets. As Southern Baptists, we are. I believe in the priesthood of the believer. Well, I'll tell you what, brother, I believe in the priesthood of the believer. And that's good. We should say that. And I say it just like you because I talk like you. Hallelujah. <laughs> priesthood of the believer. That's good. Well, that means what? We have direct, it's a tenant of the Southern Baptist Convention, our honor of our faith, Baptist Faith of Mets 2000, direct access to God. I can pray straight to God. I can talk to God. I can serve to God. That is true. And yet sometimes those that are fired up about the SBC, priesthood of the believer, may rarely spend time alone with God talking to him. We ought to be ashamed of ourselves. We spend time with him. He loves you. He loves me in spite of ourselves. That is so important. I think I'm about ready to move on to number two, but y'all with me? Y'all understand? This is important. This is important. Say, well, how are we going to do it? We're going to mention it every now and then. We're going to lead people to know how to spend time alone with God. We're going to keep mentioning it. Because don't just, don't just come in here on Sunday and expect you to be everything God wants you to be. We can't do that. God has saved you. He's called you. He's provided a way through the spiritual disciplines and having a devotional time as well. Okay, number two. Connect regularly with the family of God. Well, we saw that in the text I read. And there's other places. It's not my idea. Not our other pastors, ministers' idea, deacon. This is God's idea. There's other passages that support this. A recent study revealed there's four categories of church members. This might shock you. may not. Here they are. One is the core. 30% of church members attend three to four times a month. I'm not sure, 
But you may be looking at some core members around today in light of all that's going on. We also know there's some core that are traveling. There's some of our core that's on a mission trip. But I'm just telling you that 30% of church members attend three to four times a month. Here's the other other category, marginal. 25% of the church members attend one to two times per month. Fading church members, 25% of the church members attend four to ten times a month. Cultural church members, 20% of church members attend one to three times per year. Yikes. I think part of what happened after COVID is it's, we kind of drifted into this. And that's understandable. But let's wake up. Let's connect. Let's be with each other. You say, well, preacher, what's one of the main priorities and ways that we're going to do this? Y'all ready? Sunday school. That's it. That was new, wasn't it? <laughs> Sunday school. You can call life groups. You can call whatever. What we have as our primary way of connecting in small groups is Sunday school. Nine. Well, right now, nine fifteen. It is important. That's where you connect. Years ago, and he's still one of my mentors. He's in his final years. Bobby Welch used to pastor First Baptist Daytona. And here's what Bobby Welch used to say for years. He said, let me tell you, church. He said, if you can't attend 9 and 1030, he would say, if you can't attend Sunday school and worship, he said, go to Sunday school. I thought, brother Bobby. Because that's where you connect. What are the purposes of Sunday school? Maybe you need to, need to be reminded of how important this is. You got Bible, you got prayer, you got fellowship, you got outreach, you care for each other. And you say, Well, I, I've, I've been to one and I, I just I can't, I can't find one. Well, talk with Sonia. I found out last several weeks she's the primary staff member helping us with all that. She does a great job. We'll try to find you one. So what if we can't find one? We might have to make another one. One of the ways to be a healthy church is to have a healthy Sunday school and make it a priority and do the purposes. Here's some quotes about small groups. Small groups are the purest expression of the church. And you see those five purposes, you're reminded. Once people are in a small group, I stop worrying about them, this pastor said, because I know their needs are going to be taken care of. And I've already seen that in some of your classes. I'm telling you, I've seen it. Because you care for each other. You reach out and invite other people. You pray. You study God's word. You discuss it. It is extremely important. This guy makes a priority on Sunday school. Why? Because I believe it's thoroughly biblical, and it's very important. Purest expression of the church. Number three, worship corporately with the people of God. When we worship together, we learn to respond to the Scripture, the sermon, the prayer, and the songs. That's not something we can do when we're off on our own. We respond to what God is saying to us in the room. 1 Timothy 4.13, devote yourself to public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, and to teaching. The New Testament model for a healthy church is large group worship and small group fellowship. You know, during COVID, I'm sure that y'all shut down kind of like what we did in Florida. 
Man, it was a weird time. It was odd. I thought at first, man, this is nuts. You're telling me I'm supposed to wear a mask to go to the grocery store? I mean, I struggled with all that. Y'all probably were all over it, but I struggled with the whole mask thing and, and adjusting. And then I realized, man, this is real. We need to obey our authorities and do the best we can and have a balanced approach to it. I'm sure y'all did the same as a church, but there was a time where we did Facebook Live. And you know what? I was preaching in the room and nobody was in there. Y'all probably did that. That was odd. I tend to be relational. And then the only, the only dude I could relate to was a dude running the whatever it is up there. And I thought, good grief, I hope this just lasts two weeks. It lasted for months. And I'd look over here for some feedback like I might to what, so, some of these, Janet, and then, there wasn't nobody there. And then I, I, I'd, come, I'd come back over here and look for some, some feedback and there wasn't anybody there. And then I'd go over here, there wasn't anybody there. Man, it's rough. Now, I'm grateful for Facebook Live. I understand some people physically or emotionally or mentally, they can't come. So, good night. We're so grateful for that. But some people can come. Now, you come back and get in the big room. God does some stuff. Somebody can watch this live or watch it later on and that's fine i'm gonna tell you i, I want to keep doing that. that's good but it's something about being in the room dr future told me that years ago he said now how you can go listen to a tape somebody preaching or i'm preaching and he said you can kind of get the gist of it he said but there's nothing like being in the room i've never forgotten that he's right be in the room now, most of you probably have heard of this guy. He's a musician. His name is Charles Billingsley. Charles Billingsley serves uh, at Thomas Road, and he's been around a while. He sing the stars down. I, I hadn't heard him sing lately. I'm sure he still can. He's just a neat guy, very friendly, uh, very f- just, just bubbly. I, I like old Charles. But the dude can sing. And he's, he's had a lot of songs. I'm going to tell you my favorite song. It's called In the Room. Not, no, don't worry. I'm not going to sing it to you. But I'm going I'm to read some of the words. And this is why he wrote this song. I love this song. It's it, because some of us can relate to it. After he's been in worship or led a concert or whatever, and he's been in the room afterwards, the, the song is about he just stands there amazed at what God did in the room. Here's, here's a part of it. I don't sing. The church is empty, but I just can't go home. So I linger for a moment in the dark all alone. And I'm so overwhelmed at how your spirit moved. I'm just glad I was in the room. So many stories and no one knows but you. The silent prayers answered tonight in these pews. And I don't understand how you do what you do. But I'm just glad I was in the room. And then he said, great God in heaven, how wonderful you are. Oh, you're still changing lives. And it humbles my heart that you allow someone like me to play a small part. So tonight as I stand here, I'm reminded once more that when any good happens, it's not about me, Lord. It's enough that I stand in the shadow of you. I'm just glad I was in the room. 
We need to be in the room as much as possible. Corporate worship is important. Next. Number four, serve faithfully out of passion for God. 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 17 talks about that. It's a passage about the body of Christ. In Romans, you can go to the spiritual gifts, and you got the hand, you got the feet, you got... We're all a part of the body of Christ. We have different spiritual gifts. We're supposed to take ownership. We're to serve the Lord faithfully. Verse 27 of 1 Corinthians 12 says, All of you together as Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. You know, Jesus lets us know how to be successful or great as a child of God. He did it by washing the disciples' feet, being a servant. That's what he was doing to them. So you say, well, who's great? Those that are serving. Who's great in God's economy? If he was listening to Hebrews 11, the great people. We might be surprised. Those that are serving. There's all kind of ways to serve, washing feet. I've seen some of you. I've seen a deacon. I ain't been here but a few weeks. I've seen a deacon washing dishes. I've seen some deacons moving furniture. I've seen some deacons driving a bus. That's called being a servant. Deacon is servant. As a Christian, we're to serve faithfully whether we got the title or not. Every chance we can. And there's all kind of ways that God has shaped us and wants us to be a a part of it. So if you're a part of the church, don't sit and soak. Surf where God has shaped you to serve. Find out where it is and serve him faithfully. Number four, give generously out of love for God. 2 Corinthians 9, it's about the generosity of the church at Macedonia. They had very little, and yet they were generous. See, last Wednesday night, we had a chance. And it was one of my favorite Wednesday nights here. I know, I've only had about two or three. But it was one of my favorites. We were ministering. You were ministering. Some people were coming to, man, I thank you. Well, you know, the fire was rough. And, I th- and I'm thinking, no, it's, I just happen to be the pastor. I've been here two and a half weeks, still trying to find my shoes. It's them. Servants. You know why that happened? Because you give your tithes and offerings. You say, well, are we like most churches where about 18, 20% give everything? I don't know. I ain't done a study. I hope not. I pray not. We can always change that if so. The Bible says bring the tithe into the storehouse. But because of your faithfulness in giving, we were able to bless the community and those that were hurting. So, back to this book. I told you Dave Ramsey had an influence on this. He says, it's what he said. I never heard it quite put like this. Here's what Big Dave said. He's got a little section. He says, try tithing. Give 10% of the money you make back to God. After all, if he is your partner, he deserves at least 10% of the take, doesn't he? If he isn't your partner, sign on as soon as possible. 
Where else are you going to find help like that at such a price? God has never figured inflation into his salary. He's been at 10% for thousands of years. He has got to be the best bargain around today. Luke 6, 38 says, Give, and it shall be given unto you. King Solomon, one of the richest men who ever lived, said in Proverbs 3, 9 and 10, Honor the Lord with the substance and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so thy barn shall be filled with plenty, and thy press, presses shall burst over with new wine. Then he says, I highly recommend tithing to be a richer, fuller rhino life. We can't outgive God. I guess this part of the rhino mentality is being faithful, being generous. Why? Out of love for God, what he's done for us. And then number six, finally, share the gospel out of obedience to God. Share the gospel. Be about the Great Commission. We have in Acts 1 8, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, as Southern Baptists, we have, as you've heard me say before already, we make a great commotion about the Great Commission. And we should. We're all about sharing the gospel. That's why we have the mission trip. That's why we have the cooperative program. That's why we have the Easter offering. That's why we give to our seminaries to equip people. It's all about being a part of the Great Commission. And as God gives us opportunities, we should share our testimony with people. Not not beat people over the head with the Bible, but sometimes we get a chance to share with somebody. Quick, Quick method. You say, you know what? I've never shared my faith with somebody I'm really burdened about. Here's quick, quick training. Here it is. Hey, hey, uh, Fred, man, listen, there's something, Fred, in my life that uh, is really important to me, and I just hadn't, I'm sorry, I, I hadn't told you about it before now, but could I, could I share with you the most important thing in my life? Well, more than likely, Fred will say, well, yeah, I'll let you later, or sure, and you want to be sensitive to God's time and in place and all that kind of stuff. And you say, well, let me tell you this, Fred. Um, there was a time in my life, and depending on when you trusted Christ, your life before you became a believer. For some of us, we had childhood conversion. We don't have a whole lot to share. There's a time in my life I was a preacher's kid. I went to church every time, every time the doors were open. But I just didn't really know what it was all, all it was about. That'd be what I'd say. And then there came a time, Fred, and then you share your journey. You share when you put your faith and trust in Christ. Maybe it was a revival. Maybe it was at your bedside. Maybe it was on a campus during the revival years ago, the movie's about, and somebody shared Christ with you. I don't know. Everybody's got a different story. My life before Christ, however long or short that is, some have quite a life before Christ. And you might can connect with somebody that I may not be able to, and vice versa. Then how you met Christ you don't have to preach for 30 minutes and then you say now and this is where we skip sometimes we say and let me tell you the difference he's making in my life and you tell him man i'm not perfect but i've been forgiven god has helped me in my relationship with my wife god has helped me when i lost my job god helped me when my child died and i'm still working through it but i'm telling you the people of god the grace of god has been amazing god helped me when my when my when my when my my dad died at 26. God's helped me. When You see what I mean? If, if, if God does something. Yes, we have eternal life, but we have abundant life here, and there's something he's doing in our life or should be, wants to be. That's what sanctification is all about. You've 
accept Christ, go to heaven, right in here is where he does his work. So you say, well, what do you do? You say, hey, can I share with you? Well, yeah, my life for Christ. Here's how I met Christ. It's what he's doing right now. And at the very end, you say, has anything like that ever happened to you? They're either going to say, oh, man, yeah. Or they may say, no. And then you have a chance Take your New Testament, have a few scriptures memorized, maybe John 3.16. You say, listen, you probably heard this. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that gave his only begotten son, who believes in him, shall not perish, had everlasting life. You say, would you like to trust Jesus? And they may say, yeah. And you might say, you would? You say, well, great. You just repeat after me. Dear God, I'm a A, B, and C. Admit your sin. Believe on Jesus. Confess it. Dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive my sin. I'm trusting in you because I am lost. And then Jesus begins to clean us up. You don't get cleaned up before you trust Christ. You catch fish, then you clean them up, right? You trust Jesus, and he begins to clean us up. That's sanctification. He's working on us. That happens till we arrive. That's a way to share the gospel. That's a way to trust, to, to share what Christ has done for you. And so here's what I'm saying. Those are the bases. Those are the things that are important. That's a direction we're going to fulfill those words that you've been seeing back there. And that's our method. That's our direction. That's, that's our uh, purpose as a, as a people because we are a people of God. And here's what I would tell you. We're God's church and no church is perfect, but there is no plan B. That's God's plan to help us fulfill kingdom minded purpose in our role here as a church. It can be messy at times. Church can be messy at times, especially the more we are like Christ and do those five things and do, it doesn't mean everything's going to be smooth. It may get pretty rough, but it may be an indication we're on the right track. So we have to hang in there. Stay unified on what matters and keep trusting God and, oh, keep praying. Pray, pray, pray. Let's pray right now. Dear God, I thank you for East Haven. God, Kelly and I have been so blessed, not even a month, to just have confirmation, affirmation over and over again that you have placed us here and we're grateful. I don't want to ever get over it. I pray, Lord, that you will help us fulfill great things in the days ahead not because of a anything we might come up with god we are flawed but because of what you're doing in our lives and what you lead us to do and you want us to do and because we're focused on things that really matter god church is your idea Thank you for reminding me in preparation for today. And I pray our people today and those that may be watching or may not be able to be here because of circumstances, that, God, we have a plan. We have a purpose. We have a direction. Help us fulfill it to the best of our ability, not because we have any ability, but we have availability because of your strength. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to ask you to stand, if you will. I'll be at the place of prayer here we have those that will talk to you if 
You want to you come during the invitation to talk about what it means to be a part of East Haven? You want to come and give your heart to Christ? You've never trusted him as your Savior and Lord? Or maybe you're doubting, and you want to clear that up. They'll not embarrass you. They'll just listen. They'll just talk to you. There may be some of you that just want to come to the altar and pray. I don't know what God's doing, but I know he's been in the room, and we're in the room. So if he's leading you to do something, pray. Just do it. Don't have any regrets when you go to the buffet after this. Just listen to his voice.